1: And remember, you are a priority and you matter. Jazzcast Pros. Unless we have people feel that it's okay to, to say the word suicide, to talk about suicide openly, you can't get help. You know, if I say to you, Are you thinking about suicide? I've number one said that it's something we can talk about, that I can say the word, that I'm not afraid of it. And so they feel a little bit more inclined to relax a bit and to try to get some help and to try to make it better. But if we pretend it's some taboo topic and don't talk about it, then it just goes down deeper and the feelings aren't going to go away. You know, Many people may have made a suicide attempt already. And if they lived through that suicide attempt, that's something to celebrate. Because we know that 90% of the people who survive a suicide attempt will go on not to die by suicide. And I got to say, mental health treatment is, is critical. That's the lifesaver. Anyone who is having thoughts of suicide needs to get into mental health treatment. It's so important.
0: Welcome to Living the Front Seat Life Podcast. I am your host, Coach Kelly Marie, recording from Buffalo. Hey, like, subscribe, share, comment on the podcast. I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me via email, gmail.com. September, as you know, we've been covering suicide awareness. We are going to talk about warning signs. We're going to talk about having tough conversations with your loved ones and I want to introduce you to an expert in mental health, Dr. Celia Spicone. She has been there for Front Seat Life. Um, You might remember the Color of Crazy series. She came out and really just helped the audience better understand themselves, better understand mental health, and better understand suicide. She is the coordinator for the Anti-Suicide
1: Prevention Coalition of Erie County.
0: Celia, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm very well. And thank you for having me, Kelly. It's my honor to
0: be here. I, actually, I'm excited to have you because you have such a wealth of knowledge and a way of talking about suicide that takes away that discomfort um, and you you make it relatable to everyday people.
1: <laughs> You're too kind. Um, but thank you. Thank um, And this show is is really a wonderful way um, to to reach people, and that's why I'm I'm very pleased to be here. So I am a a licensed psychologist by uh, profession. I've worked um, as as a teacher and as a psychologist and in administration. A good portion of my professional career as a psychologist was at the Buffalo Psychiatric Center, and I retired about four years ago as the executive director. And I lasted in retirement maybe three weeks after which, um, I decided I was bored and, and, uh, needed to get back and do something. And suicide prevention has always been close to my heart. And so, um, it was a natural to join crisis services who, uh, administers the suicide prevention coalition as the uh, part-time coordinator for the coalition. And that's the work I do right now. And, uh, um, it's, it's amazing. I'm, so lucky to have a, a, another career that I can do now and feel like it's really hopefully making a difference. Demystifying it or um, destigmatizing it is really critical because you can't have those conversations unless we do that. And I like to look at suicide as a healthcare issue. Uh, and if we think of it that way, we're not thinking of somebody as bad or sinful or Broken, we're thinking of someone who has a health problem. And it automatically puts us in the thinking of looking for solutions, looking for treatment, looking for care to make it better. So, unless we do that, unless we have people feel that it's okay to to say the word suicide, to talk about suicide openly, talk about times when you might feel like taking your life, you can't get help. And we know that's the one thing that makes a very big difference is getting some mental health treatment that can save a life. In this case, suicide in youth is the second leading cause of death. Second, think about that in 10 to 24 year olds. And in in the general population, it's actually now the 12th leading cause of death. It was 10, but COVID kind of, uh, slipped in there and added a a few different reasons for um, mortality. And so now it's still, but that's, that's pretty, um, that's pretty high. And that's, it's significant, I guess, is the word I want to use. So we can't ignore it. And the the days when we wouldn't talk about it, or wouldn't use the word, those have to be over, uh, so that people can get The help that they need. Um, I know that a lot of people are afraid to say the word.
0: They think that if about it, it may push them further into depression.
1: Um, Can you kind of talk about that myth a little bit? Yeah, sure. That is a myth, and I'm glad you bring it up. People uh, thought that, oh, if I say say it, they'll they'll think about suicide when they wouldn't have. And it's it's a such a prevalent thing in the media it's out there. People know about it. It's not a secret. So a large study actually was done that looked at this issue and they've pretty much uh, closed this topic. It does not lead to an increase in suicide attempts. And many of the people who were asked directly said they felt a bit freer. You know, they felt a little bit like it was a, a weight off their shoulders because, you know, if I say to you, are you thinking about suicide? I've number one said that it's something we can talk about, that I can say the word, that I'm not afraid of it. And so they feel a little bit more inclined to relax a bit and to try to get some help and to try to make it better. But if we pretend it's some taboo topic and don't talk about it, then it just goes down deeper and the feelings aren't going to go away. But the research really shows that talking about it does not increase the likelihood of suicide happening. And I usually use a metaphor. Kelly, if I said to you, would you like to empty out your checking account and write me a check for the total amount? I think you're going to say no, right? (laughs) So asking that doesn't make you do it. (laughs) Just because you ask somebody for something doesn't mean they're going to do it. But you know, that's it. You, You can ask people about something. And if they have no intention of doing it, that is not going to make them uh, do it. And the research now is backing that up. There are risk factors that we, we may carry around our whole lives for suicide. And those would be you know, having a mental health condition, prior trauma, abuse, witnessing domestic violence, uh, previous suicide attempts, having um, experienced a family member's suicide itself. Even now we're looking at things like uh, traumatic brain injury as being um, a risk factor, and there may be some genetic loading that we're learning about. So, But you, carry the, you may carry those risk factors your whole life and never once make uh, a suicide attempt or another one. So those are just things we need to be aware of. But a warning sign is different. That's like the flashing red light. You know, that tells us it's time to act. And the warning signs you should be aware of um, are feelings, people expressing feelings of hopelessness, despair, feel like they're a burden. Uh, Particularly when you hear someone say, you know, they'd be better off without me or um, I can't take it anymore. Those are kind of phrases that put off an alarm bell. And then there's actions, people doing things like acting recklessly. Someone who is always pretty cautious and in orderly in their life starts to act kind of reckless. Uh, someone who used to go out and be with people and be very social starts to withdraw, doesn't take care of themselves, like they wearing the same clothes a couple of days in a row when that wasn't their usual uh, behavior. So a change in someone's behavior, someone who is always bright and friendly, now kind of down, even uh, being irritable and um A little bit more angry than usual. Sometimes people will make threats. They'll they'll say things like, uh, "Well, you won't have me around to deal with anymore." Those things seem obvious, but sometimes people want to say, "Oh, they're just trying to get attention." And I would never uh, write something off just that way. I would want to respond to it. And then situations, certain situations might lead to a a particular suicidal situation, such as. maybe increased stress, if you're seeing people uh, drinking more than usual, and alcohol in particular uh, is, is of concern with with suicide. So alcohol is kind of a double whammy when it comes to suicide. Well, it can be a triple whammy. So someone who's struggling with issues around alcohol, but even just uh, alcohol consumption within the um, non-addictive range can be a problem with suicide people get depressed and they start drinking a little bit more alcohol is a depressant so you're actually treating depression with something that's going to make you more depressed right and then it, the other thing alcohol is is it's disinhibiting so sometimes if you've seen anyone or been in that situation yourself under the influence of alcohol people say and do things that they wouldn't do when they're they're sober right they've lost their their monitoring system, you know, they blurt things out, they do things. Well, if the thought is suicide, you can be more likely to act on it because under the influence of alcohol, you are disinhibited. You are not inhibited from acting. And that that's a, an important issue. Someone who's had a, a public humiliation, perhaps a, an arrest for DWI or, you know, in, in school, maybe a youth who's had got kicked off the team or you never know what's going to f- seem humiliating, and now, of course, everything is public with social media, so we can assume if it's a humiliation that one person knows about that everyone knows about it. Uh, and the, the the time between the event happening, say the arrest and the resolution, where the person knows what the consequences are going to be, that gap time is is the highest uh, risk time for a person. So the things I told you actually come to into a neat mnemonic that's easy to remember, Feel, the first letter of feelings, actions, changes, threats, and situations spells out facts. And that can help you to remember some of the things that you want to look for in people, um, friends, coworkers, family members, who may be um, in a situation where we've got to do something a little bit more Uh, dramatic or drastic or imminent because um, it's a, it's a warning sign. It's a flashing sign.
0: And what should someone do if they notice these signs?
1: The first thing is I say is you got to have a conversation with a person. So you pick a private place. You don't want to be isolated. So you don't want to say, go on a hike in the, in the backwoods by yourself with the person, because you may need help if, if, they do express that they're imminently suicidal. You want to be in a situation where you could get help if you need it, but you want a private space where you can have a good conversation. So in the private space, I like to sort of lay it out to the person by, you know, if I just say to someone, "Uh, you just don't seem right lately. I, I think there might be something going on for you. Well, that's easy to blow off because there's nothing specific there. You know, no, I'm fine. No big deal. You're, you're wrong. So if you say something uh, to the person, kind of get your facts together. You know, I've noticed lately that you're talking a lot about um, that you're hopeless and you can't take it anymore. And you're, you're different. You don't come out with us anymore. You're not taking care of your personal appearance. You always had your hair and your clothes really nice. And I, I notice now you're not taking care of yourself. And yesterday you said something like, you know, they'd be better off without me. So you, you've laid out your facts to that person. And then you need to ask the question. All right, this is not what to say. Now, you're not thinking of doing something stupid, are you? Why don't you want to say that? <laughs> because who's going to ever admit that they're, they're thinking of doing something stupid, right? <laughs> Sometimes they see it as their only choice. Or they see it as that they're doing a favor for their friends and family because, you know, they'd be better off without me. I'm such a burden. I'm such a pain. You know, Or they see it as this is a common thing. I can't take the pain anymore. They just feel like they can't take it. And so they just want some relief. So you want to ask in a very straightforward way that lets them know they can talk to you. So some phrases that you might use are, You know, sometimes when people are saying the things that you're saying and going through the things you're going, they're having thoughts of taking their life or having thoughts of suicide. Is that what's going on for you right now? And then people don't want to ask the question because they're afraid if the person says yes. Ah, now what do I say? Right? Right.
0: And unlike Zoom, you don't have to install anything on your computer, and your guests don't either. Head over to Riverside.fm and use promo code JAZZYCAST to get 60 free minutes
1: of recording and 15% off a membership plan. Right. And I'm going to give you a phrase that you can use that always works, and um, just keep it in the back of your mind. One thing you can always say is, I'm sorry you're going through this. I want to help. Or... Well, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me what's going on for you. See, notice that I'm not trying to fix the problem for them. I'm not trying to give them advice. I'm not trying to tell them, don't do that. Oh, my God, that would be terrible. Everyone would would feel so badly if you did that. You know, like that's heaping on guilt, right? Just get them to talk. Listening, we just undervalue the importance of listening. And it is one of the most important most helpful mental health interventions that a friend or a family member can do is to listen. Tell me about it. I'm very sorry you're going through this. I want to help. Okay. And let the person talk. That will actually reduce suicidality in many situations, but you can, you might have to do some action now. All right. So if the person is imminent, they have a firearm or, um, you know, you're talking to them and they're um, on a bridge or near a bridge or on their way to the bridge, then you're going to call 911. If it's, you know, an emergency situation and they're in the act, you've got to call 911. But, and the other thing is, if you do feel that they are suicidal, you don't want to leave them alone, okay? Because they, they, they've put their cards out on the table to you now, and they know you're going to try to do something to prevent this. So they can sort of get a little bit more desperate. So you don't want to leave them alone. Um, get some help. If it's that they're sort of thinking about it, but they really haven't made a plan, you can try to just get them into mental health treatment. Crisis services is there, though, for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's a great place to start if you have someone who's in a suicidal crisis. You can call them. Um, it just went into effect this summer. And this is the new number, 988. So instead of nine one one for a mental health uh, crisis, you can call nine eight eight, and they will route you back to your local crisis center. So here in Erie County in Buffalo, it's going to go to crisis services here in Buffalo. But if you're in Utah or California, they will route you to your local crisis center. The thing you got to watch is, um, you know, people use cell phones; they're on the family plan, and they've got. They're living in California, but they've got a 716, which is a Western New York area code. So you you will need to tell them where you physically are so that they can make sure they get you help that's close by. But there's someone to talk to at the end of that line. And you can t- tell them if, if you're calling for a friend or a family member, you can call anonymously and you can say, listen, my friend just said this. Should I do something or, you know, what should I do? And they'll, they'll guide you. They'll give you some um, support and assistance. You can call for yourself. You can call for somebody else. They'll talk. You know, they'll talk to you or they'll talk to your friend. Let them get on the phone and talk for a little while and you sit there with them. I mean, that that's one way to handle it. Um, but that's a great resource. And for people who don't like to use call, there's also a text number, which is 741-741. And you can just text um, in New York State, we text got five, but you can just text help to that number 741741. And a licensed mental health professional will text back, and you'll be in a conversation via text if that's more comfortable for you.
0: That's incredible information. So, what if you notice these signs
1: in yourself? Good question. So, they're not normal, all right? It means something's wrong. Something needs some help. And, you know, many of us, we want to like power through things. And it's just not good to do that. If you are having some feelings of depression, feeling down or blue, and they last more than two weeks and they start to affect your life, your functioning, ability to work, take care of your kids, uh, go to school, whatever, um, it's time to get some help. All right. If you're having thoughts of suicide, it's really time to get some help right away because um, an actual thought of suicide, it, it's not good. It's not normal. It needs a, it, It's just a, like a, a physical. Uh, if your temperature goes up and it keeps going up day after day, you don't just live with that, right? You, you say, gee, I must have something going on here and you get help and think of it that way With with having suicidal thoughts. They can kill you, to be blunt. And so it's not something that you want to just ignore and try to power through. You want to try to get some help.
0: And can we talk a little bit about terminology? We're always learning, always growing. And we are um, at a place now where we better understand, you know, how to talk about suicide. Um, There are um, words we should use
1: and should not use. The way people talk about things is important. Okay. And particularly for something like suicide, because we know that stigma is such an issue and that prevents people from getting help. So the way you talk about it is important and you want to talk about it in a way that makes it a mental health issue and um, doesn't further stigmatize it. So I'd like to avoid using the phrase and it's, it, it's so ubiquitous in our conversation and it's hard to get rid of. And if you make a mistake now and then it's not the end of the world, but to say, commit suicide. All right. What do we commit, Kelly? Crimes. Crimes, right. So it makes it, puts it, or you commit sins, you know, if you go back to that thinking. So that makes, puts it in a very negative light. So having, you don't want to say, were well, you thinking of committing suicide? Just simply. Um the, the person died by suicide or thoughts of suicide, just drop the word committed, okay, and keep it a very simple uh, phraseology that is helpful in the conversation. And the other thing that people find offensive is, you know, many people may have made a suicide attempt already. and if they lived through that suicide attempt, that's something to celebrate because we know that 90% of the people who survive a suicide attempt, will go on not to die by suicide. So that's wonderful that they were able to somehow luckily survive it. So don't call them them a failed suicide. People, uh, one man said to me, you know, I felt like a failure my whole life. I couldn't do anything right. And I tried to kill myself and um, I lived. And now people are calling me a failed suicide. I can't even do that right. That gives them the, the message that it was a mistake that they lived through it, and to me, it's actually a very lucky and fortunate thing that they lived through it. So, we don't want to talk about it as a failed suicide or a successful suicide. Dying by suicide is not success, all right. So, simply a suicide attempt or um, someone who died by suicide. So, those are the things, the big things that people who are in this field, you know, suggest that we we think about. And and the other thing. That's kind of a personal thing that I notice a lot, Kelly, is, is like if you look on social media, the jokes about suicide, you know, for someone who lives with that uh, or has attempted or know somebody or lost someone, those aren't funny. So I've started with things like that um, that I see on social media. I, I, I tend to now call it out and, uh, privately. I'll send the person a note. And say, you know, I I know you you meant that to be a funny joke, but um, working in this field, um, I would avoid uh, jokes about suicide. And uh, I think it makes a difference. we got to clean up that language a little bit and clean up those reactions.
0: Yeah, jokes. And I've heard people, if someone does something that, you know, they don't like, they'll say, just go kill yourself. Yes. Kind of a, you know, way they don't actually mean it, but they, I mean... Those are the words that they use.
1: You don't know when somebody is just a step away from actually doing it and then they see that, you know, that could be the step that pushes them in the wrong direction.
0: So what are some ways that we can stay healthy? You talked about some risk factors can be a part of the equation. Are there things that we can do to, you know?
1: Yes, there's, there's a few things. Some exercise, fresh air exercise every day. When I was working full-time, I used to leave my lunch in the car. And in Buffalo, New York, we have a um, a free refrigerator for about six months of <laughs> the year. So I could do that. <laughs> and so I would have to walk out to my car every day at noontime at least to get my lunch. That just got me out of my desk and out in the sunshine for a little bit. Find a way that you get a little fresh air and exercise every day. Even if it's that small amount, 20 minutes, 30 minutes is great, a walk, but you got to do something every single day. The other thing, this is a big pet of mine, a pet peeve is sleep. So I know I talk to people and they're, you know, they're working, they're raising a family, they're taking classes at night and they say, well, I only need four hours of sleep. So that's not true. You know, physiologically, you need six to seven hours of sleep. So you've got to give that to yourself. Cut something else back. Don't cut the sleep. You know, let your house be dirty or cook up some meals that aren't beautiful, but they're nutritious. Find another way to get that sleep in for yourself because you'll be sharper the next day. You'll actually get more accomplished the next day instead of just kind of slugging around in a haze. Six to seven hours of sleep a night. And while we're on the topic of sleep, that can be a sign that can be one of the warning signs that I should have mentioned somebody who can't sleep or is sleeping too much okay so that's, a, that's another warning sign Le- learning some stress management skills some meditation um that's important and uh, diet eating a healthy diet is is critical it's just too easy to you know to grab some fast food and um you know you're, what you put into your body you're, you are what you eat So you have to think about that. So those are some things. Meditation is very good. Even um, some deep breathing exercises. I try to give people simple things that they can accomplish. Like say when you're driving, every time you get to a red light, take three deep breaths. Or if you're walking when you stop for uh, waiting for a red light, instead of standing there being aggravated, you know, that the light hasn't turned, take a few deep breaths Hold it for about three or four seconds, and then release it. It's amazing what that does to your physiology. Just a simple thing like that.
0: I love those ideas. I um, heard Michael Phelps speak uh, once, and mm. he said that you know his therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist told him you know while he was dealing with self esteem issues, every time he walked through a doorway, to say something positive to himself about himself <laughs> That's great. When I'm down, I've added that to my toolbox. Yeah. It can be anything from, you know, you have great hair to, you know, oh my goodness, you know, you you washed the dishes yesterday. It could be anything. Yes. I'm so happy I have eyelashes. It's forcing yourself to have those positive thoughts. I love those ideas, especially about the stoplight. I can't tell you how many times... And most people are probably the same way. You get to the light or you just miss it because <laughs> in front of you was driving slow. Then they speed up so they make the light.
1: <sighs> and you're spending your time, you know, aggravated and watching your blood pressure rise. What? And instead of doing something, do something healthy. You're going to have to sit there. So do a little deep breathing, de-stress from that, you know, last meeting you were in or from that argument you just had with somebody. Um, it's just about taking good care of yourself. Uh, Kelly there's one other thing if if I could that I'd love to talk about some research was done on people who had attempted suicide and lived and they said to them this was a big study how long was it between the time that you made that decision you thought about suicide decided you were going to do it and you actually acted on it right most people guess you know what was it a few hours a day or two half of the people Said it was ten minutes or less. Now think about that. Wow, that's half of them. So there is um, a factor that can be sort of almost um, impulsive seeming around suicide, and that is scary. But it also helps us to understand a way to prevent suicide, and we call it means reduction, keeping your home suicide safer. So particularly if anyone's going through a mental health crisis in the family. Keep your home suicide safe. Throw out all those old medications. If someone's in crisis, keep the meds locked and just take out what they need every day. Um, Firearms. Half of the people who die by suicide use a firearm. So it's important to keep them locked in the home. And during a time of crisis, voluntarily put it in storage at a gun shop or give it to a friend to hang on to, or at least take the ammunition and the firing pins out. Thank you for sharing those. And can you go through facts one more time? What do each of the letters stand for? Mm -hmm. Uh, F is for feelings, feelings of despair and hopelessness. A is for actions, uh, actions that are troubling. C is for changes, changes from that person's normal behavior pattern. T is for threats. You know, they're making threats of suicide. Take them all seriously. Don't assume someone else is going to ask you. You be the one. Assume everyone else is going to ignore it, and you're the only one. Uh, and situations that can be um, stressful or humiliating or life changing in a negative way. So facts, F A C T S.
0: Cecilia, thank you so much for being with us. For letting us know it's okay. To have tough conversations. So again, I encourage you, um, to take some time and practice having a conversation. If you feel awkward or think that it would be weird to use the word suicide, to talk to someone that you care about, about suicide, practice it first and hopefully you'll never need it. But if you do, you'll be prepared. If you're in crisis, please call 988. 988- or text 741-741 and you will be connected to a crisis counselor who is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, including nights and weekends, holidays and weekends. So until the next time, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, share, and leave a review about you experiencing Living the Front Seat Life podcast and be the light.